Hey everyone, welcome back to the Arnie's. This is your special young boy host, Matt Johnson. Whoa, the tables have turned. But don't fear, your regular host, Austin Terry, is with me. Austin, how are you? Well, Matt, I'm nervous. I uh, oh, I don't know man. if I'm angry enough yet to talk about this game. It feels like you can only <laughs> talk about this game if you're angry. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so before we get into the main topic, everyone, we're talking about The Last of Us 2, Part 2, um, today. Going to do full spoilers. Going to break that down. Talk a little bit about the first one as well. But um, this is going to be kind of a special bonus episode since the game came out last week. We both just finished it, so we wanted to talk about it as soon as possible. And... Um, last Tuesday, I guess this week, make sure if you haven't watched it already, go check out our quarantine check-in where we basically just talked about kind of how we're doing so far in quarantine and what media we've been consuming. I believe actually we may have talked about the first Last of Us a little bit. So there you go. This is part two. See, everything's connected. It's beautiful stuff. All right. So Austin, before we hop right in, any Anything you need to get off your chest immediately, or are we good to get into it? You look like you look really nervous right now. <laughs> yeah, I just got to finish crafting a new uh, rifling for my revolver. Ooh, nice. Well, speaking of guys, let's get into this. Everybody, grab your switchblade, grab your busted ass father figures watch. Let's go golfing, baby. It's time for a Joel in one. All right, so before we get into Last of Us 2, obviously that's the main topic, and everybody I'm sure is interested to hear what we think. I kind of feel like Last of Us 2 is all the rage. I feel like it's it's always trending on Twitter. I feel like people are just so consumed by this divisive game, they want to know what everybody thinks. So but just hold off on that for a sec, because we should probably talk about Last of Us Part 1 just a little bit, just to kind of uh, break down how we were feeling before this game came out, because... This will be the final preface, so we probably should have mentioned this at the top. But if you missed our quarantine episode, Austin and I talked about The Last of Us briefly. And it might be important to mention that Austin and I, while we've been interested in this game for a long time, we were always kind of Xbox 360 guys. So back in 2013, when this game came out, we heard, we of course heard about it, heard it was like one of the best reviewed games in a long time. Everybody was loving it. But we never played it. We didn't have PS3s, and then we didn't have PS4s until much later. So when they did the remaster, we still didn't play it. So literally, Austin and I both just played The Last of Us 1 for the first time within the last, basically, few months since quarantine started. So we don't have that... We don't have any nostalgia for this game. I mean, whether or not we like it, we'll talk about in a second. But we don't kind of have the seven-year buildup <laughs> that so many people did. So that might inform our opinions, so just keep that in mind. But speaking of, let's just go ahead and get into it. Austin, Last of Us Part 1, like I said, one of the best-reviewed games of 2013 and certainly of like the last decade, I would imagine. You finally played it. Did it live up to that like best game of all time hype? What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned in, in our main episode this week that you know, I waited seven years to play this game and avoided all spoilers for it. And for me, it really lived up to the hype. Um, I was really worried it was going to be kind of overhyped for me. Um, but I really enjoyed Last of Us Part 1. Um, I found the story super compelling. I found all the characters really well written. Um, I just really wanted to learn everything I could about this world. So I found myself like picking up every note I could, like 
doing everything I could to get more invested in this world. So I, I really enjoyed The Last of Us Part One. Yeah, me too. I think the world of it, like you said, was just so cool. And just the fact that on paper, it's so cliche. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty standard post-apocalyptic mission. You know? Yeah, sure. Like, Lots of tropes. There's a chance for a cure. There's even though it's the apocalypse, it kind of feels like that kind of like the same thing with Walking Dead. It's like, well, you know, the zombies aren't the main threat. It's actually the other humans. Like that's what we have to fear. Basically, I feel like we hear that line in like so many different pieces of media and here it's the same thing yeah but it feels it feels more genuine here than it does in like the walking dead or something like this like like the monsters are a threat in this world but nobody really talks about them like it's just kind of something you live with and people are genuinely more concerned about other people they're going to run into and it feels a little bit more honest in this world because i think they stick to that better than they do in other versions of this and i think it's also because um the thing that's front and center isn't these zombie-like cordyceps creatures. It's not It's not the other humans. It's not the chance for a cure. I mean, all that stuff's part of the story, which would be in something like Walking Dead or something, other zombie stories as well. But I think the reason this one stands out is because it does focus on a relationship. Like, it feels like for Ellie, it's like just a standard coming-of-age story. For Joel, it's like coming to grips with just past trauma story, which we've seen before, but they're mashing it together, putting it in this crazy world with this crazy setting. And I think all of the elements combine, make it a really cool experience. Um, I think the gameplay does get some hate for just being, I think, pretty standard. My thing is I played Uncharted before I played The Last of Us. And I think the gameplay in Uncharted is pretty like, boring i mean it's just really bad shooting mechanics in my opinion and the exploration isn't that exciting i think the stories are cool but last of us at least has a lot more going on with its gameplay with opportunities for stealth and crafting and you know cool weapons and stuff like that and ammo conservation which is probably my favorite part about the last of us one and we'll talk about last of us two how that translates but yeah i think the story is awesome and if we're going to talk about the story of the last of us we should probably transition real quick into this game has, I mean, I would think, like I said, probably the last decade. I mean, it has to have like one of the most famous or maybe for some infamous endings of any piece of media, whether it be movie, TV show, video game. This one people still talk about today and it's seven years later. So let's break down the ending real quick. Basically, you haven't played Last of Us 1. <laughs> we already said spoilers, so I guess you're kind of screwed at this point. So hopefully you have, and let's go ahead and talk about this ending. Also, right. if you haven't played Last of Us 1, what are you what are you doing clicking on a podcast titled Last of Us Part 2? <laughs> spoiler cast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just assume you either don't care about spoilers or, you know, you've played it. So Last of Us 1, basically, we won't, we won't do a story recap for the first one, but Joel and Ellie make it to their destination, the Firefly Hospital. And of course, there's a twist. It turns out it's not as simple as Ellie just gets turned over and they make a cure. She has to die in the process. And Joel is like, no, <laughs> she's my daughter now. <laughs> so I'm going to save her. So the last mission of the game is literally you killing. I don't have to. I don't think you have to kill everybody. Maybe not. But basically killing all of these doctors and like fireflies in this hospital and then you you get to the operating room, and then the game forces you. This is going to become important later. The game forces you to kill like the surgeon or lead doctor or whatever. You don't have any choice with that. 
and then and it's revealed in the last of us too that this doctor is like the only person that knows how to make a cure like in this world right yeah essentially that's the idea so then joel picks up ellie's unconscious body gets her out of there ends up killing marlene who is another important character who's like the lead firefly at least for this group and then he just drives off then in the final scene of the game Ellie's like, she's kind of, you get the idea that she doesn't fully trust what Joel is saying. He just straight up lies to her and says that, you know, turns out there was tons of other people that were immune. So you're good. They ran their tests. So all good. Let's go home. (laughs) And uh, she's like, you know, tell me that's true. Swear to me. He says, I swear. And then you see the last shot is a close up on her face. She looks kind of a little bit distraught, like she's thinking, but says, okay, the game ends there. So. Austin, is Joel a hero or a villain? I don't think he's either. I think he's a hero to some people, like Ellie, like the people he cares about. And I think he's a villain to anybody that's in his way, really. I mean, that's what I think is so cool about this world is that there's really no clear-cut villains. There's no, like, overarching bad guy. It's just a lot of different groups of people doing what it takes to survive in this world. And this world that's brutal, it's punishing Everybody, even Joel and Ellie, do like atrocious, bad things in this story. But everybody that exists in this world is literally just doing what it takes to get by. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about this story. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to highlight because I completely agree. Um, And I think people get caught up, whether particularly when it comes to Last of Us 2, talking about how unrealistic stuff is. But you got to keep in mind, this isn't modern day. This is, I guess, by the time of Last of Us 2, it's like 25 years into a post-apocalyptic future. Things are different. Things don't operate the same way. People are trying to survive. That being said, I think it's so cool that Joel can still be this hero figure throughout the game to Ellie. Well, like you said, he's literally like a villain in anybody else's eyes. That becomes way more relevant when it comes to the next game. But I do want to focus on one last thing, and then we're going to transition into Last of Us 2. What do we think about Joel lying to Ellie specifically? And... How do you think after you beat the game, how did that make you feel? I think it fits the I think it fits the world. Um, I think it's a good ending. I really like how, you know, at the beginning of this game, Joel suffers the loss of his daughter in the opening days of the outbreak. And after that, he kind of shuts himself off. He's kind of just doing whatever it takes to get by. He's not really opening up to anybody. And through Ellie, he finds somebody uh, that he cares about again and he finds another reason to live. And he's not willing to give that up for anything, even if it means lying to Ellie. And he also doesn't want to take away Ellie's innocence. Like he wants to give her a chance to grow up in this world. So I think it fits the story and it worked for me. Yeah, I think it's an amazing ending. I really do. Because everything you just said, he wants to give her a chance. I do believe that Joel, in the moment that he's saving her, believes that, that he's trying to give her a chance. But it becomes so interesting, especially when we get to Last of Us 2, but also just thinking about it in Ellie's perspective that he may have given me a chance, but at what cost? Yeah, and Ellie even said, like Ellie even says her immunity could have meant something. So she feels yeah. like she's, when she you, finds out, she feels like she's robbed of that. And to be fair, the, the Fireflies did too. They both parties, the Fireflies and Joel, robbed her of a pretty world-level stakes choice. Let's go ahead. Let's leave Last of Us 1 behind. Let's just do it. Austin, Last of Us 2, did you like this game? Did you not? I love this game. I I think this game makes Last of Us 1 a better game, but I found myself 
I love Last of Us 1. I found myself liking this game even more than Last of Us 1. I'm right there with you. So there we go. We both, turns out, apparently love this game. So that means we're going to be the enemies of uh, <laughs> the people online that hate this game. And again, to preface, Austin and I have no nostalgia for this game. We just played it, the, the first one and the second one. So like, if you're somebody that's like, <laughs> that was waiting seven years to see Joel and Ellie go on the exact same adventure again, and I guess you're going to be disappointed. For us, it was like, whatever. So anyway, apparently we both love this game. So great. So now let's go ahead. Before we get into the story beats, um, give me a couple things that you liked about this game, like specifically. This game's gorgeous. It's one of the prettiest games I've ever played. And it's kind of weird to say that in a, in a story that takes place in a world that's just ended. But this game's incredible looking. Um, there's literally some breathtaking views. Um, Seattle looks incredible. Um, I also really think that they greatly improved on the combat in this game, like the especially the meleeing, like the dodging and the fighting. Like it feels like almost like you're dancing. Like and some of the stuff you do like looks scripted, but it's you doing it yourself. Um, I I like I like every single character uh, in this story. I think everybody's really well written. I'm invested in everybody's story, um, and I just I really like the way they tell the story in this in this game too. Yeah, liking all the characters, I'm not even making a joke. That's a pretty controversial take. I'm right there with you, but apparently, like, apparently people really disagree with that. And, you know, I'm saying people, I shouldn't say people. I should say that a lot of people seemingly, at least when it comes to, like, Reddit, Twitter. So that's all I'll say. It seems like a lot of people might disagree with that. I won't say everybody, of course, but your point about kind of the way gameplay and how things look in this game, choreography, I just think Ellie's way more fun to play as. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite parts of Last of Us 1 was playing as Ellie. That's like my favorite sequence in the game. Yeah, and her gameplay is different. I mean, she has a switchblade, meaning you don't have to craft shivs when you play as her, so you can kind of feel a bit more like you can be a bit more aggressive when it comes to your stealth. Um, she moves quicker, she can jump, and she can dodge too, which was a lot better than The Last of Us 1 dodge, which was just an old man trying not to fall down while fighting a mushroom creature. So. And the do the dodging is fun in this game. Like, especially when there's multiple people swinging at you, like it's so cool the way, like it, it looks like a scripted fight in a TV show, but it's, but it's not like it could happen at any time in the game. I think it just, it's so cool. Yeah. I love these characters. I loved kind of the messaging of the game, how the characters were used. So we'll get into that more in detail in a bit, but before we, before we jump into more detailed discussion, just so we're kind of being balanced here and maybe you don't, I mean, we both love the game, but can you reach, do you think, for anything that, I won't say, I mean, maybe there's stuff you didn't like, but either is there anything that you didn't like or that you wish, you know, could have been a bit better, done differently, whatever? Yeah, um, I really like Abby's story. I think it's really interesting, but I do think you play as her just a tad too long. And I also didn't enjoy any of, like, the boss fights in this game. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Ellie in the context of this game. We certainly, if you're somebody that has played and beat Last of Us Part Two, Abby's another character that we'll be having to talk about a lot because it turns out, you know, whenever The Last of Us 1 came out, I know, and I didn't even know this playing it this year, I didn't realize that you got to play as Ellie in Last of Us 1. Um, and it's really cool how they did it. Like like we said, her gameplay is totally different. And so in this game, we play as her the entire time. But whenever they kind of do something that you think they're just going to do for a little bit, they introduce another playable character. But the twist here is you're not just playing as her for like a small segment like we did in Last of Us 1. But it's more it's probably close. You play as Ellie maybe 60% of this game, and then Abby 40%. It might be even closer to 50-50. But I think it's 50-50. You think so? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it felt like it. 
Definitely a surprising move. So we'll get into that in a bit. I think once we talk about the story, it'll give more context to Abby, especially. So let's go ahead and go for it. Let's do a quick little story recap. Um, jump in here if you want to add anything. I guess we can do a bit more detail than we did about Last of Us 1 a minute ago. But yeah, so Last of Us 2 picks up, for the most part, just a quick little intro with playing as Joel. He's telling Tommy about what he did, basically. He's kind of coming clean. He hasn't told Ellie, but he's telling his brother what he did to save her, what the cost was. And then basically, that's kind of the intro. We, we kind of show that Ellie still seems a little bit trepidatious around Joel. She clearly knows something's wrong. Like, she knows that he lied to her in some way. I just don't think she knows the extent of it. But once, you know, once he pulls out that guitar, starts playing a Pearl Jam, she's like, ah, this guy's the best. I love this guy. We flash four years later. Ellie is still living in Jackson, but Joel is now apparently not close to her. We don't see Joel. So they've had a bit of a, a, bit of a falling out. We don't really know why. Um, another character, Dina, had just kissed Ellie the night before. It was kind of weird. They didn't really know what was going on there, but no time to focus on that because Ellie and Dina have to go out together on patrol. And long story short, they find some weed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I love that scene too when they're in the basement. Um, oh, it's awesome. It's, yeah. such a, it's such a believable, like young romance. Um, mm -hmm. Their chemistry is super believable. And Dina is like a super likable character in this game. And I really like found myself like not wanting her to die whenever she's like kind of going through stuff later on in the game. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like Dina's character. I thought Dina was great. Um, she's incredibly well acted too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. She was so good. And I know so I've seen some people talking about how they feel like their relationship is rushed. Like once they get to Seattle, it kind of feels like they're already like, you know, girlfriends basically, and they're dating, like not just dating, it feels like they're in like a strong relationship. But as the game went on through flashbacks, if you like in the flashbacks, if you read Ellie's journal, I was going to say those people that think that probably didn't read the journal then because you can see her journaling. Exactly. They established that Dina has basically been Ellie's close friend, like right after she and Joel got back to Jackson originally. And she's always going to have a, had a crush on her, but she was with Jesse, who's another character that we'll get into. Um, so once the opportunity for them to be together kind of comes up, it kind of makes more sense. And again, this isn't the real world. This is a post-apocalypse. It's kind of hard to find these relationships you would imagine. So I feel like it works. I feel I like how it's a little bit rushed. I feel like intentionally. So that was well, yeah. And these are people who are out on patrol, you know, all the time and going through life-threatening situations probably every week. So they're gonna bond quicker too in this world. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of going out on patrol, like we said, they find this basement just filled with weed. So they have they have a fun time. It's nice to see them get to like have like a seemingly moment of relief, not worry about anything else going on. While that's happening, we get our first introduction to Abby. And at this point in the game, we don't really know what's going on in terms of why we're playing as somebody. But very quickly, we notice that she's led by this other character that she has a relationship with, a past relationship, I should say, named Owen. And it's like, we're following him. We have no idea what's going on. Why are we playing as this character? But we are in the snow. So it's like, I guess maybe we're near Jackson, who knows? And then sure enough, we come up to a ridge and they're overlooking Jackson. And then it goes from like nice conversation to Owen's like, don't worry, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna find him. It's like, okay. Probably talking about Joel. That's what I assumed whenever I first heard it. I feel like 
if anybody's looking for anybody when it comes to Jackson, it's probably somebody wanting to kill Joel for something bad he did. <laughs> so I just assumed it was Joel. I was also I figured it was Joel too, but these also seem like they seem like like a nice group of friends in this intro. Um, like they yeah. don't seem like bad people, I guess. And so I was like, I don't know what they could be here for, but I assumed they were after Joel. So I was kind of yeah, questioning I, like why they were there though. Right. And so basically at some point during Abby's like going off to try and like find these people, um, she ends up getting kind of overrun by clickers. And in a very surprising moment, that I thought was really cool. She is saved. Who is it? Who just shot that gun and saved her? And it's freaking Joel, dude. <laughs> like, he looks so badass. He has, like, a, a nice winter coat on, a scarf, his hair's all long. He looks so cool. He has the gray going. I was like, man, that's a good Also, that, that scene where you, when you're running from the horde is, like, heart-pounding. That's, Ooh. like, the first heart-pounding yeah. moment in this game. When Definitely. you hear them all behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And she Tommy's also there. So they did set up earlier that Tommy and Joel were together on patrol. So she runs into them miraculously. And you can tell the second... Tommy like is trying to calm her down by like asking for her name and introducing himself. And then he says, that's my brother, Joel, her face changes. Like she's yeah. not like, she's not putting anything out there yet. Cause she knows that she could die at any second, but you can tell something's off. And basically they get out of there, they escape and we'll skip some of the cutting back to Ellie here. Cause it's not as important as what happens right here. And I think this is the scene to give people context. This is probably for most people around two ish. It'd be like two and a half hours into the game. No, it's sooner than that. You think so? Okay, maybe a little yeah. bit sooner than that. So she's like, Abby says, I have people. I have a place we can go that's safe. Let's go there. Joel and Tommy are like, let's do it. So they go there. They escape the horde. Joel and Tommy are welcomed into their home. And then Joel is reintroduced to everybody by Big Mouth Tommy, who says, this is my brother, Joel. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> dude... It's like a you can tell everybody's like a little uneasy too, but then yeah, yeah, Joel goes like, "You act like you've heard of me or something," and then he gets shot with a shotgun <laughs> to the kneecap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's when things were not looking good for Joel because whenever I was like, "Oh man, he might be okay," but then they picked up and dragged him against the wall, and you see his knee, and it's just gone. <laughs> it's like even if this guy yeah. survives, he literally will never walk again. <laughs> I do, I do love Joel's line in this scene though because he can tell like Abby's about to give this big speech. Just say whatever long speech you've got rehearsed and get it over with. Yeah, it was pretty badass. I know people feel like they made Joel, like, I guess, dumb because he couldn't see this trap coming. Like, I've, I've been seeing that a lot on Twitter where people are showing that scene from Last of Us 1 where he sees the guy pretending to be injured and he, like, sniffs that trap out, like, right away. Yeah, so, like, they purposely, they purposely made him dumb. But, like, they were running from a horde. He had no time to assess the situation. This was their only chance to get away from the horde. And he had no idea that these people are like ambushing him. Like there's no way for him to be able to figure this out. Well, two things. I mean, even maybe even a bigger point on top of that one is that they've established it's four years later. So Joel is no longer that smuggler that he was in the first game. He is like, he's, he doesn't have a family, but he is kind of like a family man now. He's kind of just a guy that helps out the community. And so they established that he and Tommy like bring in strangers to Jackson all the time to like, yeah. And they're, they're living like a comfortable life now. So they're yeah, not on so, guard. All the and then time. also people are bringing up that Joel does, he is pretty open with Henry and Sam in the first last of us. So it's like, I mean, they, yeah. they, they could have surprisingly killed him out of nowhere, but they didn't. So sometimes you got to be trusting. I can't blame him for that. And then at some point, Jesse, uh, Dina's ex comes in, finds them and is like, Hey guys, Joel and Tommy didn't show up and they're all freaked out. Ellie goes to find him. She pops up 
like near the house that this all went down in. And then uh, we hear screams of pain as Ellie like runs into the house, goes downstairs. And then we get the big moment that we saw in the trailers for some of, for this game that was like, it was all the shots of Ellie on the ground, but we didn't know what was happening. And it turns out it's Joel dying. And we don't know why yet, but Abby basically lifts up a golf club and just like, it's pretty gross. I mean, she just yeah, bashes his head in. And of course it's even more brutal because Ellie is like pleading for Joel to live. And it doesn't do that cliche thing where Joel, like he does open his eyes and move his mouth, but he doesn't say anything. But like, I'm glad they didn't do that thing that a lot of movies and games do where he like, is like, I love you, Ellie. And they're like, gets like killed <laughs> like that would have been stupid so yeah i'm glad that he kind of just goes out in that moment kind of quietly at least yeah this is end. this is hard to watch especially because it's a character that you know you've spent 20 25 hours with in the first game um it's a character i he's definitely like a beloved character in the video game world uh for sure um but i I think it fits this world. I don't think there's a way you make a last of us two without joel dying and i'm glad that they didn't do like the same like Ellie and Joel adventure again in the sequel. I'm glad they tried to tell a new story. Here's the thing. If you're somebody that liked The Last of Us 1 and you like the ending, I just feel like regardless of what you think, like if Joel did the right thing or not, you have to at least acknowledge that. And I, we find it out later in the game. If like the remaining fireflies come back to this hospital, see what fucking happened and realize that their lead doctor is dead. Their one chance for the cure is gone. And this guy, Joel, that they heard about, is responsible. They have every right to be mad and, like, torture and kill this guy. So, honestly, like, in that moment when it happened, I, I was saying, like, whenever Ellie's like, I'm going to kill you. Like, she's on the ground and she's just, like, like feral. I was like, ah, yes, we're getting our revenge. We're doing it. But at the same time, and I felt it even more later, but at this point in the game, I was like, I'm assuming these characters are Fireflies. And if they are, then Joel deserved it, dude. <laughs> like, I can still be sad about him being dead for Ellie, but I can't, I don't know. I mean, Joel potentially, like, ensured that the world will always be like this. It's okay to be upset about Joel dying. Like, I was upset when he died. Mm -hmm. But to say it's a bad game because Joel dies, it's just not fair. Like, it's this is a good game. I don't know how you can play this entire game and think it's bad just because your favorite character dies in the beginning. He's the reason people are still living the way they're living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's I guess, the beauty of that character because I'm still so distraught when it happens. Man, people, are, people are turning off this podcast right now and they're typing up angry messages for us. No, I'm excited to read him. Now, I, I want to hear people's opinions, but, like, if you're mad at the way Joel died, like, the way it happened, sure. Like, that's fine. Maybe the timing of it, fine. But if you're just mad that Joel dies, I just don't think that's a valid argument. So that's all I'll say about that. So this sets in motion kind of the revenge story. They go to Seattle. They explore downtown Seattle, which was an amazing part of the game for me. It's kind of yeah. the one, like, there's lots of exploration to do, but this is the main part because this is the one part where they, like, they give you a map and there's places you can go to that are completely and totally optional. You don't have to go there. 
can you play this game without having a shotgun? I guess if you yeah. don't find the shotgun, in this? I believe so. Either oh, either you can or you get it. Like maybe they'll find a way to give it to you later. But I did notice that there was a trophy in this game for collecting all the weapons. So it must be optional. Like you must be yeah. able to skip some of them. Um, so who knows? I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, for example, I the can't shotgun. imagine not finding a shotgun and making it. I, yeah, I, I needed that <laughs> shotgun for some of those clickers later on. But yeah, the shotgun you find at least initially in the bank which is cool. I mean, you get to see like literally like there was a bank heist going down right as the outbreak started. So it's just such cool world building. And like you said, right at the beginning, and I totally agree. This is one of the few games where I want to read everything like Skyrim, oh, Mass Effect, tons of games. Like I love exploring and I love like visual world building. But when it comes to just reading like pages and pages of stuff, that's where I start to lose a little bit of interest. I read everything in Last of Us Parts 1. Yeah. I want to know everything about this world. And I do like how it's just short. It's short and sweet. It's never more than like one page front and maybe back at a time. And it's always so fascinating to me, at least. I also, I love the um, like safe mini game in this world. Yeah, like, I thought that was you cool. You see a safe and then it'll be like, all right, you'll find a note that says like, code for this safe is the Wi-Fi password. That was my favorite one. It's so like smartly done in this game that too, because everything that you do in this game has a purpose. Like you have to find these electrical hordes to get the gate open, but it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel they like put a puzzle in the game just for the sake of having a puzzle. Like you can't find the power cords because no one's been operating this base for a couple of years now. Like it all makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and even stuff that is optional, like the safes. I mean, like, Maybe you don't want to open the safe. Maybe you don't like kind of the mini game involved. But if you do open the safe, you might get like a shit ton of ammo or yeah, like, or yeah. the medicine, the medicine that allows you to upgrade your character. Or you'll find a bunch of salvage, which lets you upgrade your guns. So there's always... Can we, can we talk about how cool the crafting looks in this game too? It's got to be the coolest crafting. Like, yeah, like, I couldn't remember how scene. the first one did it. Did they like... Because they had the workbenches, but did Joel like... Was it basically you selected something and then like you move the gun off screen and then just like put something on and back on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Here it was really cool how like you would like select, I want a longer barrel on this gun so I can make it more accurate or whatever, more powerful. And then it would actually show Ellie like, like physically like changing the way the gun looks. Very cool. I thought that was a neat like little, you know, detail that they did that probably took them a long time to put in for yeah. a lot of return, but it's certainly cool. Um, so anyway, let's continue on. You eventually um, get through Seattle. Lots of great optional stuff there. Of course, the moment we, we were talking about the guitar earlier, there's an amazing part of the music shop where Ellie plays Take On Me, which I was like crying during. I just thought it was so beautiful. And like, it's another like shout out to Naughty Dog's uh, motion capture. I mean, looking at Dina sitting on the ground, watching Ellie play the song and the way Dina's like eyes and even just the way her mouth like subtly moves, just you know exactly how she's feeling. Because yeah, she you can tell like, she's falling in love with Ellie. Exactly. And even in 20 years, when this game doesn't look this good anymore, you can at the very least watch it and at least the facial animations make them look like they're acting like real people. They won't look like real people anymore, but at least they're you can tell they're feeling without them having to say it, which is such a cool thing that we're at technolo like, technology. After we get through a bit of Seattle, we end up in this hotel. Basically, it's actually kind of interesting because at the beginning parts of Seattle, it feels less about revenge and more about finding Tommy, which is an interesting yeah, choice. I agree. It's the hotel. And that's the first moment where we physically know Tommy was here. We go upstairs and there's a callback to the first Last of Us where we find this dead 
this just dead guy just like wrapped up in a chair. You find the other guy dead on the ground and there's writing seemingly in blood, which I, I think that was blood. I don't know. And Ellie calls back to that moment that Joel had in the first Last of Us whenever he was trying to find Ellie during winter, which is he makes one guy write down the answer to a question and then he makes the other guy say it. And if it matches, he knows they're telling the truth, but then yeah. we just die anyway. So Tommy, <laughs> I guess, learned that one from Joel during the uh, period of time where he didn't like how Joel was handling stuff. So he, well, I think, I think they also say that Tommy did some pretty shitty stuff when he was a member of the Fireflies too. So yeah. So no, yeah. Tommy was the exact same. It sounds like he and Joel both did really bad things after the outbreak. And then on top of that, Tommy was the Firefly. It sounds like these two were like, just a terror when they were members of the oh. fireflies. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I guess Joel was, I guess that was what drove them apart was he wasn't going to be a firefly, but it is funny. Cause like, yeah. can you imagine him being like, you're joining the fireflies, Tommy and Tommy who's younger, but still sounds like he's 90 is like, yeah, Joel. <laughs> like I am, <laughs> but just the idea of like Tommy, like telling Joel, like Dude, you're so much worse than me. You can't be mad at me for like following a cause. Like you are, just a monster. That's how people paint it. They talk a lot about in the Seattle section how bad Joel and Tommy were together, like pre or I guess post right after the outbreak. So we continue on. There's a shocking scene right after this where you just you think you're just on your horse jumping over a little gate and immediately there's an explosion. And then your beautiful horse, Shimmer, who I'm allergic to horses, but I still fell in love with, is shot in the head. <laughs> I was like, well, your horse's, your horse's legs are blown up, and then a wolf makes sure he walks up and shoots your horse in the head. I guess I am thankful to that wolf for at least shooting Shimmer, but <laughs> I was sad that he got exploded from under that, that's it. That made me jump. I did not see that coming. That was scary. Um, yeah, so then you wake up, and this is our first kind of revenge moment. We're, we're seeing this guy named Jordan, I believe, and he was there when Joel died. And he was the one guy that Ellie was kind of able to, I guess, I don't know what you want to say, hurt, I guess, whenever she tried to save Joel. She, yeah, she sliced his face. Exactly, yeah. So he's there, and then at some point, Dina shows up. She was able to get away. She shoots somebody, but then Jordan's about to kill her. And you have this really cool moment where using, like, triangle and square, you pull up, like, a, a shard of glass from the window that Dina broke. You pull it over. And you reach over with your tied hands, pick it up, and then cut through it. And then I can't imagine how every player felt because I know how I felt. I was so mad at this guy. The second I was out of that rope, you stand up, you grab the switchblade. I just had I clicked like L1 or whatever, and just sprinted towards this guy and just hit square, whatever the strike button was immediately. And then you get the grossest scene ever. He, this guy gets stabbed in the neck. Ellie says, got you, motherfucker. And then we see him in real time choked to death on his blood. It's not the only time you see or hear somebody choke to death on their blood in this, this game. guy is making was horrifying. <laughs> so anyway. I do I do love the line right before this whenever this guy is like, how'd you find me? And she, she's like, I just told everybody I was looking for the guy with the bitch scar on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Ellie still has kind of that wit and just like like a crude sarcasm that i love it's kind of back in full force even more so here i really like how confident she is in this game too like yeah. you can tell you can see it on her face how she's like there's nothing that's going to stop me in the city i'm going to get through and you, there's even a scene later on where a boat flips in the ocean and she's stuck in this crazy storm in the ocean and she just goes fuck it i'll swim it myself and like nothing in this game is going to keep her from getting to her goal yeah exactly um 
All right, so after this part, we head over to a TV station where we hear about another. Long story short, we get there. We see another trace of Tommy. He was probably here. But then an important moment, once we get inside the TV station where we think Tommy and this WLF member that was there when Joel died, we see people in the main, like, atrium of this place. Just, like, there's blood everywhere, and they're just hung from, like, the lighting, like, rig or whatever like they're just hanging there and there's this line where i think ellie or dina one of them is like i don't think tommy did this and then yeah. we realize that the wlf is in a war with the seraphites also known as the scars in this game that are basically a religious cult and this is kind of our first visual we don't see them yet but this is where we're first kind of visually introduced to how they uh <laughs> take people out so pretty scary um <clears throat> so let's skip ahead here we get out of the TV station. There's an ambush. You can either kill him or leave, whatever. We go down to the uh, subway to try and get away. They also do such a good job in this game of making me dread every time I realize we're going underground. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not want to be in a dark area in this game. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> in a well, good way. Especially not because they also introduce us to another enemy type here, which was, I don't believe was in the first game called the Shambler. And basically, this infected all, just looks like 10 times more disgusting. But also... It's kind of special ability is it can release like burning acidic gas. So it's like, this isn't an enemy you want to fight like a clicker, like up close and personal. Like you want to fight this one at long range if possible. I hated this enemy. This enemy always like fucked up my stealth. Every Like there was, it's impossible to be stealthy with this enemy around. Exactly. Yeah. And then also you can't get close at the end either because whenever it dies, it releases like an even bigger cloud. So you have to be careful with this one. So introduced to them. I wasted so many shotgun shells on this enemy. <laughs> Yeah, me too. And then this is also the scene, or not the exact scene, but a little bit after. This is where Dina finds out that Ellie is immune because during like a fight with infected, Ellie's mask gets broken and she comes clean to Dina saying, like, I'm immune, don't worry about it. I love how Dina's trying to like take her mask off to yeah. share. And, and Ellie's like, No, 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 don't do that. Like, yeah. You can see like the like panic moment on Ellie's face when she realized what Dina's about to do. That's why she has to tell her exactly. But we can't really focus on that too much because Dina is hurt she doesn't feel good and she's clearly sick of something and we don't know what's going on we get out of the subway and we go to kind of what becomes these characters base of operations like at the end of each day essentially which is this derelict theater which looks pretty cool and we get there dina reveals that she's pregnant so that was certainly an interesting moment that kind of culminates with a pretty mean line uh, where Dean is like, I, I didn't mean to be a burden. I didn't want to be a burden. That's why I didn't say it. And Ellie's just like, well, you're a burden now. So it's like, geez. Yeah, I felt so bad for Dina. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I also get it. It's like, I'm so glad you came with me and you backed me up to come on this trip. But dude, you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is bad. So, yeah. I, and this leads into one of my favorite parts of the game for sure. Um, whenever Ellie's like, after that line, she's like, all right, you stay here, go to sleep. I'm going to go explore the theater. And uh, once you do a little bit of exploring, you find a guitar backstage. And then I don't know how you felt about this next scene, so I'll let you take it away. But this leads directly into a flashback. Yeah, the first time I realized we were going to do flashbacks, um, I remember being like, oh, great. Like another game trying to tell a story through flashbacks. But then once we actually got into these flashbacks, I found myself like really looking forward to them because it's like a really nice break from like the really tenseness of Seattle. And you just get some like truly heartwarming moments with Joel, which I really appreciated after watching him get his face bashed in with a golf club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. In this flashback, you're uh, returning to like a museum on Ellie's birthday that Joel found for her. And it's a dinosaur museum. I think actually I think it's like a natural history museum, but there's dinosaurs in it. 
which Ellie's like super excited about. And you can tell that she like really appreciates the fact that Joel took the time to find this for her. And then we get a really cool scene where you move into the space section of the museum. And uh, she like climbs into a spaceship with an astronaut helmet on and they like pretend to take off. And Joel hands her this like cassette tape with the recording of the space launch. And that's, I think that's like one of my favorite scenes in this game. He's just so excited too. It's one of those things like, it's not his birthday, but he's just so proud of himself. He's like excited that she's excited, which I think is cool. Yeah. And you can see that on his face. Yeah. So that scene kind of ends with a um, important moment because it ends with um, them seeing basically graffiti on the wall that shows the Firefly logo. And then under it, it says liars. <clears throat> and I think this is going to come into play in the, in the next flashback, which kind of like, I think Ellie seeing that makes her go, it makes her realize I was having the most amazing day of my life with Joel, my favorite person. But dude, I can't escape this lie that I think is there. And I think this is the hint at it. And then the next flashback we get to, it kind of comes out in full force. So then we get to Seattle day two um, at this point. Um, you're still on the hunt for all the fireflies, but you also still want, not fireflies, the WLF, but you're still looking for Tommy as well. And you kind of think about, Tommy might be in this neighborhood. So you go to this neighborhood, you fight your way through it. On your way to this neighborhood, did you find that there's like notes where it talks about these people that defected from the wolves? Mm -hmm. And then there's this workbench in, a, in an apartment building. Did you find the workbench where you get jumped by these people? Yeah. yeah. That scared the shit out of me. Because like workbenches, you always like feel safe working on because mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be, be able to get attacked there. And then you hear these like loud thuds in your headset running up on you and you see Ellie's face just get bashed in from behind. That scene made me jump out of my seat. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. So <clears throat> yeah, day, day two has like two major stories going on. The first one is like, yeah, going to this neighborhood, looking for Tommy. And then it turns out Tommy wasn't the one that WLF are after in the neighborhood. It actually ends up being Jesse who followed Dina and Ellie basically to kind of help them out. Interesting note here is in the like the first story trailer for this game, I think that came out in like September, we had never seen Joel in gameplay for this game up until this point. He was in that first announcement trailer that was all CG, but again, we don't see his face. And then all the gameplay trailers for E3, like in the coming years, he was never in them at all, barely even mentioned. And then like, so three years after this game was announced, we finally see Joel in this trailer. And it's the moment where you hop over a fence and Jesse grabs you. In the trailer, Ellie gets grabbed, turns around and goes, like, why the hell are you here? And it's Joel. And it's his older character model. So, like, they were doing a little bit of a fake out here, which was pretty cool. I certainly, like, when that moment happened and I get and I get grabbed, I'm like, are they going to do some weird twist where Joel's alive? Or is this going to be, like, a weird twist where, is this actually Tommy? Or is this just Jesse? It's like. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Tommy. I didn't expect it at all. So but I think. I think that's something else I've seen of why people are like review bombing this game is because in the marketing, they made it seem like, like in this scene specifically, like Joel's going to join you. Right. Um, and I do, I can see why people are upset about that. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. I like stuff like that, but I, again, I, this is a moment where I can't blame people for being pissed, you know, for marketing reasons, but yeah, that trailer made it seem like Ellie and Joel were at odds, but then like halfway through her journey, he joins her. Like maybe Dina gets killed and then Joel comes to help. Yeah. That was how the trailer sold it. But Whatever, let's move on. So Jesse and Ellie escape the WLF. They have to drive in a car, escape them, escape a horde. It's pretty cool. And then we have a scene where um, 
Jesse and Dina are reunited. And then that leads into, I think I have the order right here. I think that's what leads into the next flashback, which is two years after the previous one. And it just starts with Tommy and Ellie kind of going out like on a, not really a hunt, but you get to use like a scoped weapon to kind of shoot at um, some infected. And you find out here, Tommy, you know, says that, you know, you should uh, talk to Joel. And this is our first instance of like, I guess in the last two years since the flashback, something's up. So then we finish that, meet up with Joel. He's like, you got to fix your guitar strings, Ellie. <laughs> Sound like Santa Claus. And uh, she's like, okay. So then they go to like a music store and they're going to try and find some guitar strings. Of course, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go that way. They end up going into like a hotel. So this is a cool flashback. What do you think of this one? Because like I said, this one's more combat focused. Yeah, I like this one. I think it works. I think it gives you another moment kind of withdrawal, like you said, where you actually kind of feel like there's a chance you could die here. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, it kind of feels a little bit like Last of Us Part 1, which I'm sure a lot of people appreciated. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like this scene, this flashback does go on a little bit too long. Yeah, this one, it might not actually be longer than the first one, but it does feel longer. And then, of course, we've got to talk about how this one ends. Because like I mentioned with the last one, it kind of just teases that this lie is still hanging out there. And, dude, there is just a brutal and a great way scene. Not with, like, gore or anything, but just brutal because it just hits you. But uh, you basically, in this flashback, you find out that maybe some people had run away from Jackson and they just disappeared. And then at the end, we find them. They're dead. And Ellie's like, I think these are the people that disappeared. And you pick up this suicide note. And they're basically like, we're about to be overrun. We're just going to end our lives. And the, the, oh my God, dude, like he basically says, I just shot my wife, but I'm too much of a coward to kill myself. And it's like, oh, Jesus. So it just gut punches you. And then Ellie's like, she says the line that once she says it, you know, oh, I'm so scared it's going to go. She says, if only they were immune. Yeah. Oh, my. And they also say like, I think they also say, like, Jackson's great, but we couldn't stay here knowing we could be helping other people. Which I think really yeah. adds to that line when Ellie says, if only they'd been immune. Right. And you just see Joel's face because he knows – you get maybe get the idea that he's like, like, man, I just shouldn't have lied to her. Because they do reiterate later in the game that Joel doesn't regret what he did. Like, in the last yeah, of the game. Not at all. And it's a really great line. I, I, we'll get to that. But he doesn't regret what he did. But in this scene, it kind of looks like that he might regret lying to her about it. Then Ellie wakes up, and I believe, I could, like I said, I might have some of this out of order. But at some point, she goes to the hospital. She like gets a, like a lead on Nora, who was definitely there when Joel died and was one of the ones that held her down. So she's like, she's at the hospital. I got to go there. I think this is the first time on, on your way there where you encounter the enemies with the dogs. And oh my god, killing the dogs yeah. in this game, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, whether or not it is, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to do that. And it's it sucks because like you can on one hand, like there's a lot of rooms in this game, like encounters where you can skip killing people. Like you don't need to kill everybody, you can stealth pass. The thing with the dogs though, is it kind of feels like they want you to kill them because they're the enemy that can track you. Like even if you're in like listen mode or you're like completely hidden the dogs can track you. So it's like, if you don't kill this dog, then you better be just hauling ass through the encounter, not getting shots. You can escape. Yeah. So, but killing the dogs was hard. This is also, I guess it's a credit to them, but this is one of the few games I've played where you actually kind of like feel something for killing the NPCs. Cause if you yeah. kill somebody and, and another one sees it, 
they'll be like, Amber, no. Like they, they have names and you can mm-hmm. tell that like you're killing these people's friends. But yeah. then also if you kill the handler, but don't kill the dog, uh, the dog will see it and then just start circling the handler's body crying. Did you oh, ever have that happen to you? I don't think it's so. It's so sad. It's so sad. And then someone else will come <laughs> investigate and be like, what's wrong? And you can like, then like try to sneak through this without killing a dog. But then the whole time you have to listen to a dog crying in the background oh, and kind of giving away your position. That sucks. I don't think I did that. Um, I think it's because anytime I saw a dog and a handler, I just chucked a Molotov at them because I didn't want to deal with more than one at a time. <laughs> But I hated doing it. I didn't want to throw it. But I was like, I'm going to get killed if I don't. Anyway, so Ellie eventually gets to the hospital. But of course, along the way, we finally meet the Seraphites. There's a moment where, yeah, you just get shot with an arrow immediately. And you just hear these ominous whistles. And apparently the Seraphites only communicate via whistling. And it's terrifying. Yeah, Uh, it's awful. So you fight them. They're these like hooded people carrying around torches. They're the religious cult we mentioned. And... They're terrifying. So getting through them, you do that. Then you get to the hospital. Hospital's just like, I mean, that took me a few tries. I mean, getting through the hospital. I mean, there's so many people. <laughs> oh, really? It was hard. That's, yeah. one, of, that's one of the few uh, portions of this games that I played where my like stealth didn't get blown. Like I made it through there completely stealthy and didn't get caught. Yeah, maybe I should have tried that. Um, anyway, eventually you get up to the upper floors. You run into Nora. This is where you have the exchange where Ellie has her at gunpoint and is like, you remember me? Yeah, you remember me. And then Nora's like, you still hear his screams? I do. He's like, he's a little bitch. He deserved what he got. I was like, oh, geez. And then there's a segment where you chase Nora throughout the hospital. Eventually you fall, of course, as you mentioned, you dread going underground. You fall into the underground. There's infected everywhere. Nora starts like getting like consumed by the spores or whatever. Eventually you get through that. Then a pretty, another brutal scene where Ellie's, oh my like, God. Yeah, Ellie's like, tell me where Abby is. And she's like, no, I'm not giving up my friend. And then it just does a close up on Ellie. And then you just see her like huffing and puffing. Like she's like trying to build up to something. And then you just see that little square button pop up on the screen. It's like, oh, what are you doing, little square button? I'll, I'll just give you a little press, say hi. And then except when you hit it, uh, she just bashes Nora's head in. <laughs> with with it. a steel pipe. You don't, too. See, like, we not, don't like... see it, but we do hear Nora's reaction. And it's not a good one. Yeah, and there's this terrible like squishing sound every Ugh. time it hits her. And then to make matters worse, like in the next scene, whenever Ellie goes back to the theater and she's all distraught, she she basically says that Nora told her where Abby was, meaning that she, I guess she just kept torturing her until but she says, like, I made her talk. Ugh. yeah. So we find out that Abby's at an aquarium, apparently. And I believe we might get the final flashback to Joel. Apparently, soon after that last flashback where she had that argument with Joel, Ellie took it upon herself to go back to Salt Lake and she goes back to the hospital, the Firefly Hospital. Basically makes her way through. You go into the operating room and you find just this huge blood stain, this old blood stain. It's like, oh, geez. And she finds a recorder. It might be Marlene talking. I can't remember. Either way, the recorder basically confirms what Ellie feared. Yeah, I find this flashback's a bit of a stretch for me because in Last of Us Part 1, the portion of getting to Jackson to Salt Lake is like one of the most hardest stretches of, of their journey. Mm-hmm. And so we're just expected to believe that they did all that again and then went back. Like I, I find that really hard to believe. Yeah. I guess we don't know how long it was. I think they say at the end, um, the, the trip by boat from Santa Barbara to Seattle was two months. So who knows how long it took them by horse to get from Jackson and Wyoming, I guess, to, uh, 
Utah. I have no idea. I don't know how long that one is. But yeah, that is that is kind of weird that Joel just shows up and he's like, "Hey, Ellie." <laughs> it's like they never they don't mention how long that took. We have no idea. But yeah, so the stipulation Ellie makes is if you tell me the truth, whatever it is, like at the very least, I will go back to Jackson. So I'm telling the truth. She's like, "We're done," but I will hold up my end of the bargain. I will go back. So. Now we know that the two years between that flashback and then the present day of this game, Joel and Ellie haven't really been talking. So that was kind of an interesting, smaller twist because I didn't realize, I thought we were going to get a moment in this game where Joel tells Ellie like the truth in their present day. It turns out like before this, the events of the game, he's, he told her a long time ago. So that's kind of yeah. an interesting way to do it, which I thought was pretty cool. It fit the story for sure. Yeah. Because now Ellie kind of feels regret that Joel's dead and she never got to like kind of reconcile with him really. Yeah. That's kind of what it seems like is she's not going after revenge because she loves Joel. It seems more like she knew the chance for forgiveness and reconciliation was there to get back to where they were, but she, that chance was taken from her. So yeah, it does provide a different context, which is interesting. So then I believe we go to Seattle day three. I'm sure I'm going to miss some stuff here, but the whole goal of day three is Jesse tags along with you. So kind of like how the first day Dina was with us. Now we have Jesse and we're going to go try and find this aquarium where Abby supposedly is. Also before Jesse joins you, I believe there's a scene where you're in a totally dark apartment complex, just full of stalkers. And oh, I think yeah. that is, that scene is awful. That, that, I hate that entire apartment building. Yeah. That's somewhere in there. I can't remember where that is either, but that was horrifying. Yeah. Well, we should mention that there's stalkers, which are another new form of infected, which don't show up via listen mode unless they're like moving. They're, they're in the first game, but they're only in one basement. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So their thing, like I said, like the shamblers have their own thing. The stalkers don't show up on listen mode unless they're moving. And you might say, well, don't all the characters move. The reason it's different for the stalkers is because more often than not, they're like using cover. So they're like crouched behind cover waiting to. Yeah. And they'll just like creepily put their hands like around a corner and stare at you. And you can just barely see them in in your flashlight. They're, they're terrifying. I hate these enemies in in a good way, but I, anytime I realized I'm in a room with the stalkers, I, my heart rate like went up a little bit and I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Totally. So day three, Jesse teams up and we're going to go to the aquarium. So that all comes to a head when Ellie sees a boat that they could use to get to the aquarium. And Jesse's like, didn't you hear that radio just now? That guy had like Tommy's like over at this part of town. Like he's like under fire. We're gonna go save Tommy. And then Ellie is like, well, we know Tommy's headed to the aquarium. So we should go there. And it's one of those moments where like, it's kind of a stretch, but you know, Ellie's only saying that because she cares. And this went more about killing Abby and less about Tommy. So Jesse's like, well, good luck. And then he's going to go after Tommy. And then we're going to go to the aquarium. We have like a long boat ride section. We got like a tiny little boat that we can control. How'd you feel about that? I like it because, um, you know, the whole time that you're on this journey, uh, you can see the aquarium because there's like a Ferris wheel and it just looks so far. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of daunting thinking like we have to walk the entire way there. Um, but I really like the boat ride mechanic because it, it's just like kind of like a new way to traverse the city. And I kind of like that, like parts of it are flooded and like they just keep it fresh and you're not just walking the entire time. Yeah, I like that too. And I like how, you, with the, whether it's the hospital or the Ferris wheel, you can always kind of see how far away something is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like it, makes, it makes it feel like a, like a 
like the scale of this game is super impressive because you yeah. can see your destination pretty much anywhere you are. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it feels like you're walking. You're, it feels like step by step you're walking and crossing all of Seattle. Exactly. Yeah. So at some point, you know, there's lots of really cool encounters. Like there's one point where we stop by a flooded building and have to take out a bunch of seraphites. Um, lots of cool encounters and stuff like that. But eventually we get out to the open ocean and then the boat, just like you mentioned earlier, just capsizes and Ellie's like, I don't care. I'll swim through the current and just swims all the way to uh, the aquarium. So once we get inside, we're looking for Abby. We think Abby's here, but it seems pretty abandoned. So it's like, this must be a lie. But apparently it's not. Abby is not there. That part's true. But there are three people here. There are two people and one very cute dog who at this part of the game feels like just any other enemy, he's going to, he's going to alert Abby. I got to protect myself. So Ellie just bashes this dog and it just bleeds out slowly and you hear it whimper and it's very sad and I didn't like it. <laughs> and it only gets sadder as the game goes on. Yep. Cause we may or may not become friends with that dog. At some point. <laughs> so we walk into the next room after the dog and we find not one, but two WLF like higher up people. And it's Owen and Mel. And Owen, we remember from the beginning, is Abby's ex-boyfriend. And he was, you know, very active during the kind of, he's the one that told Abby to end it when it came to Joel. Like the town's gonna come get on it, like they're gonna find us. So you gotta end it. And then she kills Joel. So we find Owen and Mel, and they're having an argument, talking about an island. We're like, what are they talking about? I don't know. And at some point. Um, Ellie tries to do the maneuver that Tommy and Joel did, which is like, here, here's this map right down where, um, what's her name, where Abby is. And then she asks the other one, all right, now tell me. And if it doesn't match up this information, I'm going to kill both of you. And then at some point, I can't remember exactly when, but somebody attacks the other one. I think, I guess Owen. Yeah, Mel, Mel's going to tell her. And then Owen's like, well, no, because she might still be alive. So he rushes Ellie and then Ellie slices I think oh, she shoots throat. him in the chest. Maybe. Oh yeah, she shoots him. And then and at the same time, Mel, of course, you know, his girlfriend is like, like, no, like that's don't do that. So she tries to stab Ellie, and like you said, <sighs> Ellie stabs uh, Mel right in the neck. And then you would think, well, there you go, Ellie. Two more off the old list. Good job. She goes over to Owen, and there was actually kind of a weird moment here, which it was like, Ellie, if you're gonna kill someone, kill one of them, and then use the other one's anger to find out or like shoot them in the foot or something. But she like, she stabs, like she shoots one of them in the chest twice and then stabs him in the neck. And then she goes over to, Oh, and it's like, where's Abby. And it's like, Ellie, this guy's dying. He can't yeah. talk right now. The only word he can get out is like, she's pregnant. And Ellie's like, what? Abby. <laughs> and she's like, no, not Abby, not Abby, Ellie. It may or may not be Mel who you just stabbed in the neck. And there's a great scene choreography wise where, and blocking wise where Ellie is like, no, 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 no. Goes over to Mel, turns her on her, like a, on her back, or is that the right? No, like belly up. But she like was zipped up. She had a big coat on that was zipped all the way up and she just unzips it, pushes it to the side and we just see the baby bump. And it's yeah, so it's sad. messed up, man. Oh my God. And Ellie like starts having a panic attack, starts like dry heaving is just, and then of course, in the middle of that, Tommy of course shows up and is like, it's all good. Ellie, let's get out of here. And he's with Jesse. Weird moment here I want to bring up. Again, I love this game, but it's not without its weird things, which is like, this is day three. Where has Tommy been? Because like we've been following his tracks since like the first two days. 
but none of them led anywhere. None of them. Yeah, led he's to clearly him. very bad at tracking people down because yeah. we've been there for three days and we already found them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've killed like twelve of them already, and their dog. <laughs> and like Tommy, we find out later did kill one of the main ones. But I thought it was odd that we're just now seeing Tommy. I kind of would have liked him to maybe find him sooner, just so we could have got more time with him. But ultimately, yeah, I like. I like I like I like Jesse's character, but I don't think you need him in Seattle. I think well, it you're lucky. Just been... You're lucky if you don't like him or need him because in about five seconds he gets shot in the head. So let's get to that. <laughs> so <laughs> we cut back to the theater. They hear a thud and they run out. So they burst in the door and then Jesse just gets like shot. And I was like, Jesus! Like he gets shot in the shoulder and goes down. I guess. Uh, then it cuts to Ellie. She crouches uh, in cover and like looks over at Jesse. He's like Jesse. And then we see that Jesse got shot through the face and he's dead. <laughs> and I literally paused like with his like corpse. I, I paused it and I, my, I was just, my jaw was just all the way open. I was so shocked. I didn't expect this at all. I didn't like, expect it either. It's out of nowhere. Too. Yeah. Never heard a, heard Cause they're also thug. in like, they're like safe place in the game. Like you're never exactly. in danger here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then his face is just blown open. Yeah. Whenever I heard the thud, I was like, Tommy might die if something's going wrong, but it turns out it was Jesse. And then this is the second time in the game only that we're seeing Abby again. So she has Tommy on the ground. She's standing over him with a gun to him. And Ellie's like, don't shoot him. I know why you killed Joel. He was trying to save me. I'm the one with immunity. I can help you. I'm the one that you want. And Abby has a great response where she like, her face looks like, she's like, what are you talking? I don't give a shit about that. I'm past that. You killed my friends. We gave you, like pointing to Tommy, we gave you and Tommy a second chance. We let you go. Gave you a second chance, and you wasted it. Points the gun at Ellie. And then you would think we would cut back to Ellie, and this is going to be the final boss fight. Turns out, no. Turns out we're only halfway through the game. Cuts to a young Abby four years earlier. And she's running around and she's like um, looking for her dad. You save this little zebra that's caught like in some like barbed wire or whatever. And it's just kind of this fun backdrop, like setting up uh, Abby and her relationship with her dad. That all kind of ends because they walk through a clearing. And of course, in the background, we see the hospital. And now we know that these characters are fireflies. So what did you think about that? Did that reveal work for you? Did you assume that? What do you think? I had a, I had assumed that they were fireflies and that they had some connection to the hospital, but I didn't realize, or I guess I didn't think that her dad was going to be the surgeon. Right. That makes sense. That's kind of where I was at as well. Uh, but then, yeah. So then um, a young Owen runs out and he's like uh, to the doctor, like, Hey, the girl's here. And he's like, what? And he's like, the girl with immunity, she's here. You got to go run your tests. And he's like, immunity what are you talking about and he's like she has a bite mark it's old and he's like oh jesus so he runs over to the hospital and then it cuts and it shows him in scrubs and that's when i was like i got it he's the doctor that we had to kill it cuts to it shows like all the red lights flashing and we're playing as abby and she runs in sees her dad the main doctor that joel had to kill lying dead on the ground and at this moment we understand everything that not only was abby and her team going after joel because he killed her dad, but also because as fireflies, they were working to figure out a way to save the world. And he stole that from them too. So it's kind of twofold.
And so now I want you to lead us off in this next part, because like I said, whenever that flashback started, I thought that basically that was going to be it. It was going to be that flashback to set up why Abby was doing what she was doing. I was really blown away by this because like you said, I like whenever you get to the point when Abby burst into the movie theater, I'm thinking like, oh man, this game's like, and we're already like 12, 15 hours in, but it's winding down. I'm kind of sad. I don't want the story to end. And then you see, you get through the flashback and you see Seattle day one pop up and you're like, oh, I'm only halfway through this game. Like we have a lot to play through still. And then whenever you actually get into her mission and you realize like, you have a lot of customization you need to do for her. You have a lot yeah. of upgrading you need to do for her. And you're like, whenever I saw the upgrade menu and that we could collect the Madison, that's when I was like, oh, wow. So this is going to be like a whole other game, basically. I do love how this game opens up and their, or this her portion opens up and the military base is the Seahawks stadium. Mm. It looks so cool. Like the, the football stadiums, like a farming field. You have like the dog kennels. You have like some grazing for the farm animals. Uh, their bunkers and apartments are like the suites in the stadium. It's such a cool idea. And it looks, it actually looks like a fun place to live almost. Yeah, it did. It was pretty cool. Um, so we kind of see her day-to-day routine a little bit. Um, and yeah, the interesting thing here is this kind of sets up something I also didn't love, which is we do three days, three days of Seattle as Ellie and three days of Seattle as Abby. It's weird to me how little they crossed over. It's also weird that Abby doesn't know about the people Ellie is killing, her friends, until the very end of Seattle Day 3. How do I word it? It's not like Ellie and Abby throughout three days three days of Seattle were constantly going back and forth, like running into each other and like, you killed my friends. Well, you killed my dad. There's never that moment. Like Abby's story is like completely original and like not related to what's going on with Ellie, which I don't know if it works. I kind of like this because Ellie's story is a revenge story. But Abby's story is kind of a redemption story. Like she finds redemption, which I I, th- I think it's cool that they're separate stories. Like I, for me, it made it pretty interesting. Definitely interesting. I just, at some points was like, I don't, at some points I felt myself trying to get through the gameplay to get to the story cutscenes when I was playing as Abby a little bit. And until you get to the final portion of Abby's story, her her portion doesn't feel as important as Ellie's, which I think is my other main criticism of this game sure i can get that yeah you don't so, really care like the first portion of her mission is she's trying to save owen or get to owen right. but you don't really care about owen at this point so it doesn't feel that important that's a good way to put it yeah because we don't care about owen yet because from our perspective as a player he's just a bad guy i do like though that like abby plays like a totally different character like it's not just it doesn't feel like you're just playing as like a bigger version of ellie like abby's more muscular she has different skills she's a soldier she has different weapons when she fights like the weight of her punches feel more than what like ellie fights with her knife but abby fights with her fists so i like that she feels like a totally different character when i think that was her. intentional i think it, i think she's supposed to feel like joel in the first game um she also has shivs she doesn't have a knife so she has to use shivs like joel did um and yeah, she kind of moves a bit more, like a little bit slower, it's, it's seemingly at sometimes, like Joel. Um, and I think it's it's important to note that because her storyline as it goes on also is very representative of Joel's in the first Last of Us. Let's go ahead and just jump to that because eventually... Right, yeah. At one point, we basically just get knocked out as Abby. And we wake up and it's just this horrifying scene. I want. How about you lay the groundwork for this scene? Yeah, you wake up and you're like, you're hanging from this tree... And there's this like big Bertha Sarah fight with like a pickaxe. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one that knocks you out. And then these two kids come running up 
Um, and you can tell that there's like some conflict between their seraphite children, but you can tell that for whatever reason, there's conflict between the adult seraphites and these kids. Mm-hmm. And this lady pins down this girl named Yara. She, she says, she says, uh, take her wings. Yeah. And then they just proceed, proceed to snap one of her arms. And it's so it's brutal. Keep bashing it with a hammer. It's so scary. Yeah. Uh, but luckily that was the Yara, hardest scene for me to watch. Yeah. No, that was terrifying. Luckily though, Yara has a brother to back her up. So that's Lev. That's our introduction to Lev, who runs out of nowhere, like a bow and arrow. He's a bow and arrow genius and just like starts taking out people. Yara, basically, because Abby, while hanging, like chokes out the um, leader of this group, I guess. Um, Yara is like to Lev cut her down. So now this portion of the game is like we're playing as Abby still, uh, trying to get to the aquarium still. But now we have two young kids with us. It's also it's also an interesting dynamic because Abby's a wolf. She's a wolf soldier, and they're out there in this engaged in this like kind of civil war almost with these seraphites. Um, so Abby spent years at this point killing these seraphites. Um, so she kind of used them as the enemy, and she for a while she's like, I can't believe I'm working with these seraphite kids. Like, there's a portion where you're trying to get out of this building, and the seraphite kids crawl out, and Abby gets stuck in the building, and she's like, Of course they betrayed me. But then they come back, they come back to save her, and then that's when Abby kind of starts realizing she might be able to trust these kids. Yara's arm clearly just setting it was not the problem. Like this arm has to go. It, it's yeah, this arm looks awful. It's gross. It's like scary and like you feel so bad. Um, so she grabs the kids and I believe they just head straight back to the aquarium. But basically, long story short, the arm has to go. It has to come off or Yara's going to die. So this is the start of the game, kind of like how with Ellie, we got to play with Dina for a full day and then Jesse for most of a day. So this one, we play with Lev for almost the remainder of Seattle Day 2, and our mission is to take Mel's list, go see Nora at the hospital where she dies later that day, um, go there, get all this stuff, get back to the aquarium, and that will save Yara, basically. Lev tells us that the Seraphites have built like bridges across all the skyscrapers to make it a faster path to the hospital for us. At first I was like, what's that going to look like? And then this does take us though, to probably the scariest part of this game where eventually you get up to these skyscrapers, but Mm -hmm. something happens where you fall, uh, you fall off a skyscraper into like, I think it's an apartment building or a hotel. Um, And you ask, you ask Lev like, Hey, is this building safe? And he says, I don't know. We never come down this side. And then you work your way down. I believe this section is even called the descent. And you work you work your way down 25 floors of this pitch black hotel, just full of infected. It's the scariest part of this game. Yeah, it's really scary. I also loved seeing how they kind of like utilize the cranes to create these sky bridges, but it's so terrifying. Yeah. That's, that's terrifying in a different way. And also, really interesting stuff about Lev that I didn't pick up on. I don't know if I'm, I was supposed to, but um, at one point when you're climbing the building initially, the Seraphites, um, and of course, yeah, we have to keep in mind how scary this must be for Lev, like, you know, killing Seraphites, you know, that, that's scary. We don't know why they were on the run. I think earlier Lev said something about um, cutting his hair and Abby thought it was a joke. And at some point Abby's like, so why are you really on the run? Now that we're kind of, you know, doing this mission, why don't you actually tell me? And Lev's like, no, it's because I cut my hair. I was telling you the truth. And then at one point the Seraphites see him and call him lily and then we kind of start to piece things together and it's pretty cool man i mean i don't see represented i'm i'm a straight white guy straight up <laughs> but i mean it's cool to see 
characters that we don't get to see a lot in media in like a game like this. So I, I mean, I don't know if it's a traditional way to do it because Lev doesn't talk about how, you know, he transitioned or anything like that, but it is really cool how they do this in a post-apocalypse, which is something I know I haven't seen. So Lev is basically yeah. a trans character. So pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think, think this is awesome. Nobody, it's cool that nobody like questions that except the Seraphites, but that's the point. Um, and then also that nobody ever messes up his pronouns. <laughs> like it's pretty cool that, you know, in the poke, it's kind of, you get the idea that in the post-apocalypse, that stuff nobody cares about except for these this religious this gross religious cult nobody cares about, like do you dude like this is yeah. no i am um, we're happy for you i love the diversity in this game um i think it's really important i think a lot more people are going to be able to see themselves in these characters yeah um and i think that's super important people are more people are going to get to feel represented um we're both straight white guys so we've always been able to see our see ourselves represented in video yeah, games hard, so yeah. i think it's super and also like loves loves a cool character like he's mm -hmm. super useful he's great at surviving in this world um yeah. so yeah i think it's awesome and again this kind of feels like um abby's transition into joel's role from last of us one and lev kind of takes on the naivete of ellie because ellie was so sheltered as a kid in the post-apocalypse this kind of feels like lev having that same experience where he's learning about the world these new words that he's unfamiliar with kind of just things that abby does every day that is new to him so it's kind of cool to see their relationship kind of blossom and they clearly become close just by the end of this day and it feels realistic and not rushed like they go through hell together to get to this hospital so it's pretty cool yeah, I do like how this game takes its time. Like, you don't rush through anything, really, in this game. Yeah, which takes us to... We do leave Lev behind for a little bit um, to go to the hospital. So then Nora ends up saving her ass a little bit and doesn't have the supplies, but directs her to where the supplies are. Of course, it's underground in the basement of the hospital. <laughs> it's not just underground like it has been previously, where it's like scary subway stations. It's like... It's underground. It's like, what does that mean? Oh, it's just, you know, the abandoned, derelict first floor of this hospital. It's like, oh. And that not only <laughs> the abandoned, derelict surgical trauma center of the hospital, yeah, where they took, where they say they took all the first infected in the days of the outbreak. And they've never bothered, they've never bothered clearing it because it was too dangerous. Basically, is just setting up like the boss fight later, which is like. We, I think we can jump. I think we can jump to that. You find yeah. the supplies, but you run into this boss in the bottom of the hospital. Which I really didn't enjoy this boss. It's just like a blob of all the mon like clickers and stalkers meshed together to form like a giant bloater type boss. Um, yeah. You just shoot it a bunch and it dies. There's nothing really special about this fight. Um, interesting to look at design wise, but in terms of gameplay, I agree with you. The boss fight itself was just shoot it yeah. a few times, use a flamethrower, and it was pretty easy. <laughs> So yeah, is but eventually we do um, make it back to the aquarium. Uh, yeah, so the arm gets cut off and Yara's fine. Owen and uh, Abby kind of talk and Owen says, hey, I want you to come to Santa Barbara with me. And then you have a, a brief conversation with Mel where she says, I told Owen I'd go to Santa Barbara, but you're not allowed to come. And while this conversation is happening, you hear Yara and Lev arguing um, about something. You don't know what. And eventually Yara comes running up to you and says, hey, Lev ran off. Can you help me find him? And so you, have, you kind of walk to the aquarium and eventually you realize, oh, Lev went back to the island, to the Seraphite's home island um, to try and get their mother because they agreed to come with Owen to Santa Barbara. Yeah, Lev wants the mom to come with them. And Yara's like, we have to go after Lev now because our mom will kill him. 
for yeah. his life decisions. Because her mom, their mom is like a devout member of this cult. Yeah, so basically because of the way Lev was born and wanted to, you know, be the person he wanted to be, this mom is apparently going to kill their child, which is horrifying. So Yara's like... And there's also another sense of urgency because another background to this story is the wolves have been preparing to launch an attack on the Seraphite's home island. So what do you think of this part um, on the island? I thought it was too long, ultimately. Yeah, me too. But I thought it was so amazingly well presented and I loved each segment. I like how it didn't get too samey. I liked exploring like these like island, like these wooden cabins almost. Like that's like kind of what we're fighting. It was so cool. And then like before things get too boring, it's like then it transitions to like a rainy street that was abandoned. And it's like really cool. That's where unfortunately Yara ends up dying. Um, it's like we spent all of day two getting her this medicine and then she just dies. <laughs> she gets shot, I think. And then at least Yara takes down Isaac, who played by the great Jeffrey Wright, who has a couple scenes. He's the leader of the WLF. Uh, she shoots and kills him. And then Yara kind of goes out in a blaze of glory. So now it's just Abby and Lev. And again, before it gets kind of too Sammy going through buildings again, like flooded buildings, then it transitions to like one of my favorite extended set pieces, which was coming back out into the wooded like cabin area, but everything is just on fire. It's so cool looking. Yeah, I think this is really cool looking. I do think it's too long. There's a certain part where you're on the island and you like look across the bay and you see the village on fire and then the characters say, that's where we're going. And it's like, oh, we're going to be on this island for a really long time. Yeah, <laughs> it ended up being a while for sure. But yeah. there were some great moments. I loved fighting the Seraphites like amongst all these burning buildings. And there was actually what I thought was a pretty well-executed boss fight for the most part against this huge Seraphite. And yeah. You're just stabbing this guy. I think Lev might get a couple arrows into him. Possibly, I can't remember. But at one point, someone messes up his jaw. <laughs> You're just like falling through different levels of like the dock area. And then at one point, Abby like grabs his busted jaw. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so gross. But it's a fun enough boss fight. I enjoyed it. And then you kill this guy. And then we kind of get to a scene that we knew was coming, which is we make it to a boat. We find a boat. And Lev and Abby are safe. Kind of feels like a sense of relief. But unfortunately, uh, you know, we know where it's going, which is they're heading back to the aquarium and it's late at night and it's raining. There's a storm. At this point, you like Abby. Like, at least I did. I, did. I like Abby. I think she's redeemed herself. Mm -hmm. um, her motivations for hating Joel feel justified. And so I, I do feel bad this whole time knowing she's about to come back to her, her the guy the guy that she loves is dead and her her pregnant friend is dead too it's yeah. just a sense of dread the whole time you play as her i agree over the course of three days i really grew to like abby a lot and i feel like she found a sense of redemption through lev possibly a little bit through yara but more so lev um and i love the line i can't remember if lev or yara says it it might be after yara dies and lev is distraught and abby's like we're gonna get off this island and lev is like why do you even care like these are your people that did that did this and then abby's like no you're my people i thought that was so awesome yeah that's <laughs> but, a great line yeah but anyway it's kind of all this like great moments um and like moments of redemption kind of go out the window because once we get to the aquarium we know what's going on we got to play fetch with old alice earlier in this day but we walk in and now we realize alice of course was the dog that ellie killed whenever she infiltrated the aquarium so we find alice's body it's horrifying and then it gets even more sad because Abby walks in and, like you said, finds Mel just lying there dead. And then Owen 
even more sad for at least for Abby um, and for the player. I mean, I, I would think so. I mean, obviously it's horrifying that Mel's dead, but they always kind of set up the relationship between Abby and Owen anyway. So <clears throat> very sad. Again, feels completely in the right to go after Ellie. I mean, Ellie, I don't have any problem with her going after people for killing Joel, but you know, that's kind of what the game's about, the cycle of violence. So I don't have any problem with Abby going, These, my friends are dead, so I'm going to go kill this person that did this. Um, yeah, you can tell you can tell Abby like she feels like she's kind of redeemed herself by helping Lev and Yara. And so you I think you can just kind of see it on her face and maybe I'm just imagining this, but you can kind of tell that she's like I thought I I thought I was done with all this. Like I thought we were going to leave. We're finally kind of back to present. You know, we had this long three-day segment with Ellie, and then we were shocked to find another three-day, another whole three-day segment with Abby that's probably just as long. Um, and this is another point where I was like, I guess this is the end of the game. Like, I guess this is the end, because like, I, yeah, for I real. thought whenever Ellie was in that scene, that was the end of the game. But now I'm like, this must be the end. And then pretty cool that there's a boss fight against ellie which was pretty surprising which i i hated this boss fight you hated this one too oh i hated uh, it so much i thought it was a little like clunky in terms of the way ellie moved around and um like setting up traps and stuff but i really love you know it's like it's an execution thing i just love the idea of it the idea is cool but the, the fight plays out weird it's very yeah like you said it's a very clunky fight yeah it was definitely a little bit but i i just i thought the idea was so good um and then it gets to the end of this fight we play as abby the whole time there's no switching to ellie during this it's like we're just abby uh fighting ellie and it gets to a point where ellie's like pinned on the ground abby's just going to town just punching her over and over again and then Dina, of course, as we were suspecting, because, you know, this is happening backstage. We knew that Dina was back there. Uh, she runs out, maybe stabs um, Abby. I don't remember. But then Dina gets shot through the shoulder by Lev with the arrow. And um, then <laughs> another brutal scene. Abby just, like, Abby just, like, with both hands, just grabs Dina's head on either side and just bashes it twice into the ground. And we just see blood come up more and more each time. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. And then Ellie mutters, she's pregnant. And Abby says, good. Which again, really fucked up, really gross. But I mean, it's not like I can sit here and be holier than thou. Like, Yeah. But then Lev, Lev stops Abby from uh, killing the pregnant girl. Um, and I think another way Abby gets redemption is she once again lets Dina go. And then looks at Ellie and says, if I ever see you again, you're dead. But she lets them both go. So Abby basically gives Ellie two chances to live when from Abby's perspective, she shouldn't. So to me, yeah, that shows a sign of redemption, basically. You know, her redemption is starting and starting to take effect, I feel like. Um, and then again, another shocking moment. Uh, we cut again. It cuts to black. Then we hear babies cries. And then it's like, okay, I guess we flash forward. And now... Not, they're not in Jackson. Ellie and Dina are living alone in like a really beautiful, like kind of like farm. They have, I guess they have a barn, so it's kind of like a farm style house. Yeah, you can tell they've done a lot because they've got like wheat yeah. fields. They've got all these farm animals. Um, yeah. So you can tell that they've been living pretty comfortably in this farm. Yeah, this is a cool segment. I like this a lot. You kind of get this. We just play through basically a day in Ellie's life. Tommy shows up uh, with a map mm -hmm. and he says, an old trading buddy of mine 
described this very muscular girl with a kid living in Santa Barbara. And he point he points it out on the map to Ellie. And then Dina says, no, we're done with that. We're not doing that. Like we had our chance. We're happy here. And then Tommy turns to Ellie and said, you made me a promise that you'd make her pay. And then Dina kind of kicks uh, Tommy out. Mm-hmm. But you can see on Ellie's face that like what Tommy said got to her. And later that night, yeah. Ellie packs her bags. Um, Dina hears her and says, where are you going? Like, I'm not, I'm not waiting for you. I'm not just going to sit here and hope that you're alive. And then Ellie says, I don't sleep. I don't eat. This is the only thing I can think about. I have to go. And she walks out the door. Obviously, it's sad watching Ellie continue to choose revenge over her newfound family. But I do get how she's like, I'm like, like withering away, basically, you know, like I'm slowly, things are going downhill for me. Like I'm still being affected by this incident. So I understand why Ellie feels the need to get help of some kind, but it's just, it shouldn't be revenge. It should be like, you know, getting closer to Dina and this family she has. So it sucks. And we know it's not going to go well, even if Ellie comes home from this with revenge in hand, like it's not going to be good. And we've already seen like, it's like a drug. This revenge has become a drug for Ellie. It's really sad. And, you know, this is the part where we see Tom, this is Tommy's last scene and Tommy doesn't get a, like an epilogue, you know, scene where he and Ellie like regroup or anything. This is the last scene. And it's the scene where he's yelling at Ellie, yelling at Dina, like calling, like saying that, you know, Ellie made him a promise and she's like letting him down. It's like, geez, it's really hard to watch, but it does lead us in, like you said, to the last major section of the game, which I did not expect. I thought whenever we first saw the farmhouse, it would somehow end here. I didn't know how, but I thought it might end there. But turns out there is one more like extended sequence in this game, like one more set piece. Probably, I would say, probably as long as like one day in Seattle, I would think, maybe close to it. So still a sizable amount of the game left. We do start, though, with Abby. It's pretty. It's a pretty quick segment. I didn't expect to be playing as Abby again. Again, and I don't. Yeah. It kind of feels weird too because he only plays her for like twenty minutes. Um, but they're like exploring Santa Barbara. They've heard a rumor that there might be some fireflies in the basement, mm-hmm. so they're trying to find this basement. Right. Um, eventually, they do find the basement, and they like get a radio working, and they hear uh, some fireflies on the other end say, "Hey, we're regrouping. We're about two hundred strong." Mm-hmm. So they're like set off to leave the basement, and then they get jumped by these people who then uh, take them hostage. Yeah, a little bit weird for me that they like basically introduce like because we throughout the main game we had the WLF and the Seraphites and it kind of feels like here they're just throwing in like a third. Obviously, they're not. This one isn't related to the other ones, but it it did feel weird to like a whole nother faction. I'm not clear what these guys are doing either. I'm not 100 percent sure either. It just felt like they needed some human enemies for this last part. Like like yeah, just being exactly. So that's the only reason that this is happening. And yeah, I, I didn't think it worked 100 percent that well. So yeah, this is, and this is the last time he plays Abby. Then we do do another time jump where it's established yeah, that it, like it takes Ellie a few months to get there. Obviously, yeah. Um, she runs into the guys that kidnapped uh, Abby and Lev, and they say, "Hey, there's a we have a compound that's where they're being held. Uh, they've been we've had them for a couple months. So they, we get some dialogue where they've been like basically these prisoners for a few months. Yeah, because Ellie gets like gets a uh, caught in a trap, and then the guys that uh kidnapped abby come over to like i guess see who was in the trap and then ellie basically like (laughs) makes one of them get tricked into getting eaten by a clicker and then ellie gets bit again 
And then the guy's like trying to leverage his life by saying, don't kill me. I can take you to our base and get you help for that infection. And Ellie just like looks at her new bite and just kind of smiles because she knows it doesn't matter. Uh, and then gets the information from this guy and then just kills him anyway. So it was pretty, pretty uh, showing that again, just reiterating that Ellie had this family life for a while, a few months, but she is still the same old Ellie like when it comes to revenge, I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty scary. Um, and we don't know how, like how far it's going to go. And at this point she's injured also. So she's bleeding profusely. She does, she is able to stitch herself up, but doesn't look like she's in good standing. Um, and then the rest of the game up until like the last major cutscene here, we can kind of skip over it because I mean, it's just encounter after encounter and they're really fun. I like the layout. I liked kind of the open areas, more buildings, some, since it's Santa Barbara and the buildings have a different architecture, it's cool. And that final compound, I really loved going through, like using both stealth and like taking out all those guards was, I had a good time in that last one. Yeah, so did I. And there was that. I also do like that you get, because you, you know, you're playing as Abby for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I like that you get a few more like combat moments as Ellie, because Ellie, I do think is a more fun character, like combat wise to play. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. We go through the compound. We're, we're going to skip all the encounters. and It's, it's fun. It was exciting. But then we get to kind of the big showdown or what we're assuming is the big showdown. Well, you, you release these prisoners and she, yeah. and uh, Ellie says, where's Abby? Where's Abby? And they say, Abby tried to escape. She's out at the posts, which is like these, it's like these posts that they like chain up all these people on at the base of the beach. So you make your way out uh, to where Abby's being chained up. And Abby just looks like you can tell Abby's been through hell as a prisoner. Yeah. I think they, I think they might say two months and Abby, her physique is gone. She's just emaciated. She's kind of, um, yeah, she just looks, it doesn't even look like her. Like her hair is almost all gone. Like I said, her physique is just, she just looks like she's a drip, like she's drifting off. She just, she does not look good. Um, but it does start a pretty interesting scene where uh, you're like looking for Abby and she's like, help, help. And then you eventually let her down. And it's like, are we like, it kind of feels like Ellie is not going to kill her right away because even Ellie is shocked at what she's seeing. Like the yeah. person and she's so intimately familiar with, like looks like a dying person now all of a sudden. And Lev is also chained up too. And he looks, he's, he's dying. He's like, you can tell he's on the verge of death. He's kind of like semi comatose. It seems like, or at least unconscious. So Abby, even in this scene is she, I wouldn't say she's like, like super nice to Ellie, which she doesn't need to be, but she is helpful. I mean, the first thing she says once Lev comes down and like picks up Lev is the boats are over this way. And then Abby just starts walking towards the boats. And then Ellie is like, doesn't say anything, but just follows. Yeah. And there's two boats. And I thought, I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like, uh, I, I like, it kind of looked like on Ellie's face, like, Oh, this girl's been through a lot. I'm going to let her go. Like that's kind of where I thought we were headed. Maybe they could have used some internal dialogue to help it, but like, honestly, like, I feel like I at least would have been satisfied if they had just walked over to the boats. Elliot kind of, like, looks at her and then just, like, walks over to the other one and they just, like, both drive off. But Yeah, I mean, that's I, where it's headed, too, because they both start packing up their their separate boats. And then Ellie turns around and says, I can't let you go. Yeah. And then Abby's like, I'm not going to fight you. And then Ellie forces her hand by walking over to Lev's unconscious body and taking out her switchblade and holding it up to his throat. And it's like, you have to fight. I do. I do like how tired Abby sounds. Like she says, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not doing this. Like you can tell that she's exhausted by this conflict. She's sick of, of having to do the same fight over and over. And you can tell she just wants to get Lev out of there and get him help. 
Yeah. So this was an interesting fight because I died so many times during it because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to square. Like there was so many, like probably three different moments where I just wouldn't hit the attack button just to see if like maybe the fight would just end. Uh, But then I did the same thing. Happy would like snap my neck. So, uh, or Elliot's neck, I should say, but um, it was interesting. And I mean, it worked, I guess, like as a, from a boss standpoint, I mean, all you really do is, you know, dodge around like normal and like use the attack button. Um, and it is gross. Like it's one of, I feel like it's like an underrated, like, or like not talked about gross scene in this game because it's kind of shitty also from Ellie, who obviously doesn't care. So I don't blame her, but I mean, Abby's literally fighting with her fists and Ellie's slashing at her with a knife. Yeah. She looks like a little like demon kid almost like yeah. just swiping at her ankles. So even when um, Abby is <laughs> trying to block, like Ellie's just slicing her forearms. It's like, uh, and it's like, you just see like more and more cuts and like blood. It's, it's, ugh. it was hard to watch on top of the fact that, it sounds like most people disagree, but it seems like you and I really grew to like Abby and her cast of characters and their relationships and kind of the redemption that she was looking for. So like to have to play as Ellie and like maybe kill this character, I wasn't really interested in. Yeah, I didn't want to either because I was also thinking about like if I kill Abby, what's going to happen to Lev too? Right. But that was one of those moments where I had to put myself not in my shoes, but in Ellie, the, not the player character, but the character's shoes. Because I was like... I don't want to kill Abby, but Ellie, the character, doesn't know all this stuff about Abby and her friends and relationship and the redemption. So I'm okay with Ellie wanting to kill Abby. I get that. But I, as the player, just didn't want to. Yeah, I agree with that. So then we get a pretty amazing moment, which I'm glad they followed up more with in a couple minutes. But so it's the end of the fight. You beat Abby. Um, Ellie starts to push her under the water, trying to drown her. And just this amazing shot with the camera starts to like, turn and pan up and there's a close-up of ellie's face and her teeth are clenched she's covered in blood and she's also crying at the same time and then at this moment we get this great quick flash to joel sitting on a patio with the guitar and he just kind of looks over and just looks really pleasantly surprised to see whatever he's looking at um and at that moment that's when ellie kind of is like you know what i i can't do this um and at first until we get clarification later at first it seemed very cliche but we'll talk about why it worked for me later. But what did you think of like the fact that, you know, there's no choice for the character. What did you think that Ellie just stops and that's the end. And then Abby gets in the boat with Lev and goes away. What'd you think of that? I know there's a lot of people that are upset that you don't get the choice to kill Abby or let her go. Um, I like that Ellie lets her go because I think Ellie gets a little bit of redemption out of this scene too, because she saves Ellie and Lev and they get to live um, and, you know, Abby got her redemption through Lev and now Ellie gets her redemption through kind of through Lev as well. Like Lev kind of redeems both characters. Yeah, I, I don't really understand. I'd love to have a conversation with someone that feels different. I don't understand the idea of like you wish you could have killed Abby. Um, I don't see in I, again, I can only see you as the player wanting to do that. I can't see why that's anything good for Ellie from a storytelling perspective or a character perspective, because like. Again, Abby has let Ellie go twice and Ellie realizes, you know, in that moment, she doesn't think about Abby. She thinks about Joel and she's like, he wouldn't want me to become the monster that he became. So I have to stop this. And to me, I just don't see how the ending that comes right after this would be satisfying if Abby was dead. And the only thing that would be remotely interesting would be 
if um, Ellie kills Abby and then leaves, and then like Neil Druckmann announces Last of Us Part Three is you play as Lev, like grown up, going to kill Ellie. But even then, that would just be the same game again. So I don't want to play that. You know what I mean? So like, this, yeah, I agree. This is the ending that this game needed to have, in my opinion. So that's that's the last we see of Abby and Lev. So. Now we finally come to it. It does feel like Lord of the Rings: Return of the King a little bit. Where there's there so many moments where I thought this game was going to end, but now it finally does. So here we go. So one great last couple moments. Also need to mention that in the fight, Abby bites off two of Ellie's fingers. So this final epilogue is back at Dina and Ellie's farmhouse, or whatever you want to call it, and you have to walk up to the house and you go in and. There's no Dina waiting for you with a, you know, hug or anything. The house is totally cleaned out. Cleaned out. Um, so you have an opportunity here to explore the house if you want, and everything's just gone. There is kind of a cute little detail that I like that even though Dina is done with Ellie, I did like that if you walk into the bedroom, uh, she did leave folded sheets on the bed. Yeah, I saw that too. Cool. I was like, that does feel like a Dina thing to do. So I like that <laughs> small character detail and just like design thing. But the one thing Dina did leave was all of Ellie's stuff. She left in Ellie's kind of studio room that we saw earlier. Everything's still there. Um, it kind of feels like this was Dina's way of maybe kind of the way Ellie left Dina in favor of revenge. This was kind of the way Dina maybe had to leave Ellie behind, kind of just leave all of her stuff in this house that they created together and just leave that there and go do her own thing. But anyway, of course, when we walk in, we see all this stuff, and then, of course, we see the guitar sitting there. And this moment, I, I got to hear what you think about this moment where she tries to play the guitar. What do you think about that? Because I thought that was such a great detail. I think it's cool that, like, you try to strum and you keep hearing, like, the notes mess up because she's missing those two fingers. Yeah, I know. It's it's so cool because she's trying to play the same song, and this just feels like a visual representation of the consequences of revenge. Like, she not only no longer can play the guitar now, because of her choice to continue that path. But now she's lost a major part of her connection to Joel. This Yeah. Huge... And she's also she's also failing to play this guitar in an empty house where she was happy for a time with Dina and her child. Exactly. So it's just full on just great symbolism here that worked for me. But go ahead and uh she does she's able to get out as much of the song as she can with, you know, three fingers. But what did you think about this transition? Because I expect we might get something here based on the Joel flashback we saw against Abby because we hadn't seen that before. Um, but I'm glad we actually did get it. So what did you think of these, this final, final flat, this final flashback that we get here? I think it's such a satisfying end to the game. Um, yeah. I like where she says like, I love how Joel goes. I would do the exact same thing again. Yeah. It's I love that because Joel is content with the decisions he made. He feels he did the right thing. It doesn't really, I think if he had said like, oh, I wouldn't do that, it would have kind of made the field game, the first game feel pointless. Yep. I um, but I like that he's content with everything he did because Ellie gets a chance out of life now. Yeah, and we forgot to bring it up. I don't remember where it happens in the story, um, but we forgot one actual, actually one big flashback. We, we heard about it at the beginning of the game, but now at the end, near the end, we get to see uh, the night before um, the four years later time jump at the dance where Dina kisses Ellie and then Seth, like this butcher or barkeep or whatever, calls them a very derogatory word in front of everybody. And then Joel, this is presumably like the first time in two years since the Firefly Hospital, wherever he told her the truth, 
that they've really spoken with any consequence. Um, he just, Joel just comes out of nowhere and pushes Seth and just says that that's not okay. Kind of, you expect maybe Ellie in normal circumstances, she would be like, let's go. Thanks. Uh, but instead she like, you know, curses Joel and says, I can see it for myself. Like, you know, fuck you. And Joel kind of like looks around sees everybody staring at him and says, okay. And walks away. And that scene is so sad because at first before this final flashback, it's, it feels like that's the last thing Ellie got to say to Joel. But now, yeah, so now I've caught up with you. So now we're in this final flashback, and it turns out, is it a little kind of cliche and tropey that actually they did get to have a final sweet moment? Maybe, but I love it. Yeah, you can tell Joel just wants Ellie to be happy. Yeah, even if he can't be that father figure to her anymore that he hasn't been for two years, he clearly does want the best for her. So that's very in line with his character. Um and that's when this is when the scene kind of becomes something more. I think it's this is whenever she is like, "You're such an asshole," and he's like, "I don't mean to be," and she. This is when everything kind of comes out. She's like, "I should have died in that hospital. You know, my life could have mattered. It could have meant something, and you took that from me." And he doesn't say anything. It kind of seems like he's accepted it. He's accepted this anger. He's not mad at her. He's not going to argue with her because it kind of feels like he agrees. Like. He says that he would do it all over again, but I think he now at least understands why she feels the way she does. And I agree with what you said, that if he had said that line, if the Lord gave me a second chance, if he had said I would do it all different, it would have invalidated the first game. And I actually feel like Ellie wouldn't respect Joel. I feel like him saying I would do it all over again, Ellie hears that and she can at least go, you know what? I think he gets my side of it. And I get his side of it, which is he loves me more than anything in the world. And that's why he did it. And Yeah, if he had said, I would do it differently, then she'd be like, well, great. I still got robbed of my life meaning something. So that's awesome. You would do it differently, but you still took it from me. And now you can't even stand by your actions. Yeah. And I think when he says that, Ellie knows this guy cares about me just so much. So even though I don't agree, I accept the world we live in. Would have cure have worked? I don't know. I accept this world. I can be happy in this world. And I don't know if I can ever forgive you for that action, but I certainly want to try. And then this is where I start to tear up because you hear Joel through Troy Baker's great acting and Ashley Johnson's great acting throughout the game. But in this moment, it's another, it's another one of those things that we haven't, we don't get to see in video games because motion capture is taking a while to get to this point, but we just hear him like his whole body, um, positioning changes he goes from being slouched over on like the railing to he kind of tries to stand up but he also like starts to make sounds where he's just so caught off guard and he might be he's starting to cry um and then he says that like his voice is breaking that he would really like that and then uh ellie i like how she doesn't like hug him i like how she doesn't say like i love you joel i like how she just says okay well i'll see you around because it wouldn't be realistic that ellie wants to get back to where they were that's going to take time so I like how she's like, I'll see you around. And then Joel's last words to her is, you know, just his while crying is yes. And, you know, it means a lot to Ellie. And then in that moment, we cut back to present day. We see Ellie kind of reminiscing about that moment. And then she decides to leave Joel's guitar there. For me, this was symbolic of, this was kind of her way to bury Joel on her own terms. You know, obviously he was murdered and taken from her, but this kind of felt like she was burying him. She can't play the guitar anymore. It's what represents him for I think many reasons. I think this was her way of burying him, kind of leaving him behind respectfully and um, moving on. And this this is kind of like how The Last of Us had a bunch of kind of 
ambiguous things like at the end he was like what's going to happen with joel and ellie you know he just lied to her are they going to remain a family unit what's going to happen i feel like this was kind of um echoing that because as ellie leaves the guitar and walks away i was left wondering is she leaving everything behind is she going to go start a new life is she going back to jackson to reconcile with dina that's the way i read it because whenever she was talking about forgiveness with joel and that's kind of what she was thinking about it kind of made me think well maybe she'll go back to jackson and hope that dina treats her that way now that she kind of almost became Joel, maybe Dina can be that Ellie figure and try and forgive her. Will she go to Jackson? I don't know. I don't know if Dina would even accept her if she came back. Who knows what Tommy would say? I mean, obviously, Ellie, do you think she can tell Tommy the truth? If, if Ellie was like, I didn't kill Abby, who knows what would happen? I don't know. But it's so interesting. I think that's why they left it ambiguous. What did you think of those final moments? Yeah, I think it's certainly an ending that it doesn't leave you feeling good. Like you don't feel happy at the end of this game, but this was never a story that's going to have a happy ending. That's just not how this world works. Um, I think it's fitting for the characters. I like that. I'm left wondering what's going to happen to Ellie. Um, I like that. Uh, you do get those final moments with Joel. Um, I think it's really touching and heartwarming. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is not a story that's going to have a happy ending. This is not a world that's going to have a happy ending. This is a brutal punishing world. And I think it's good that the game leaves you with questions. That being said, while it doesn't have a happy ending, I do think it does end up being a very hopeful ending for both Abby and Ellie. I think Abby getting to sail away and then us seeing at the end of the credits whenever the title screen changes and it shows the boat on the ocean, it's no longer dark, it's bright. It, and I think that's supposed to be Catalina Island, implying that Abby and Lev did make it to the Fireflies. And then obviously for Ellie, it's also hopeful. Um, you know, her revenge is done. She didn't go all the way. Um, she kind of is trying to redeem herself. And we don't, that means, like you said, maybe she goes to Jackson, maybe not, but either way, it, it's not happy, but I do feel hopeful for both characters, which is an ending that I can't appreciate for this kind of story. I agree. I think it's a great ending for this story. I think this story does lag a little bit in the final act, but I think they end it very well. Yeah. I think it does lag in the final act as well. And whenever the, the second act, I guess, if you want to call it that the Abby stuff started, I did feel it was lagging. Um, but the fact that I came to really love and respect Abby and understand her actions and root for her, I feel like they needed to take time for that. I know you didn't read the leaks for this game a couple months ago. I didn't read them either. But how do you feel about, like, um, everybody review bombing this game? You know, it's gotten, like, universal acclaim from critics but it's kind of getting the captain marvel treatment um in terms of reviews because like brie larson spoke out about diversity and the critics and so that made people hate her for some reason even though she's right and here it's like people read these leaks and they see that joel dies and like you have to play as his killer that's all they see from the leaks and it kind of feels like people just started giving this game bad reviews or like wouldn't even give it a chance how'd you kind of feel about that it didn't this game get review bombed within like the first 24 hours of it being launched yeah, the story. I, it's a 30 hour story. So I don't think a lot of people that review bomb this played this all the way through. No, I, I read some of the Metacritic reviews and people giving it zero scores, like just straight up said that like, they just didn't like that. They heard Joel die. Like they basically admitted they, they didn't play it. They just thought that was a stupid idea. Um, I yeah. think they're trying to remove I think, those reviews, which I hope they do. I think they should try and remove the ones that admit that they didn't play the game. Cause that's just pointless. So, yeah, I think, I mean, this game's, getting critical plays all critical critical praise all over the place it's i think it's incredible i know you think it's incredible 
Um, I think if you just don't like this game because Joel dies, I don't think you gave it a, enough of a chance. I think if you don't like this game because of the cast and the diversity and LGBTQ plus stuff, um, I think that's completely unwarranted. I- yeah, well, that's the weird thing too. People like saying that this game sucks because Neil Druckmann, like the one of the writers, one of the co-writers and um, one of the uh, directors, they say that who also wrote and directed the first game, like they say that he's pushing a political agenda, but it's like... I just so I disagree. I mean, I don't think just having gay characters in a story, having a trans character, like just be there isn't pushing a political agenda. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it also adds to the story. And it, they're interesting characters. They're not just like trophy diverse characters. Like they're important characters in the story. They all have a purpose in this story, and they're all extremely interesting and well acted too. Yeah, it just sucks that we live in a world where just a character existing in something like if their sexuality isn't yours, then you view that as a political agenda being pushed. It's sad because yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't feel that way at all, but I suppose that's just me. If you genuinely just are interested in another adventure with Joel and Ellie, then yeah, this isn't the game for you. But if you think that Joel doesn't have a central role, that's also incorrect. People would be lying to you if they told you that. I mean, straight up, I don't think this is a hot take. All the scenes Joel is in, including before death and all the flashbacks, are way better than any scenes Joel has in the first game. Like, as the player character, I don't think Joel is that interesting. The thing that makes him interesting is is his relationship with Ellie and the choice he makes at the end. So I feel like his scenes, like the flashback to Ellie's birthday or like whenever they're clearing out a hospital, like the hotel and they have to have the discussion, him telling the truth finally, their final flashback, these scenes are way better than anything from the first game, at least for me. So Yeah, you get way more Joel character development in this game than you do in the first one. Yeah, he has a big role. I mean, is it as big as the first one? No, but it's still a big role without a doubt. I mean, this also isn't Joel's story. Joel's yeah. story was the first game. This story, this game is Ellie and Abby's story. Should people play this game? Well, we probably should have talked about that part. <laughs> I'm not a spoiler cast. But hey, if you're someone that doesn't care about spoilers and you just look, we're kind of here for the conversation. If that sounds interesting interesting to you, I would say pick up the first game and then play this one too. I think this is a great sequel that expands that world, gives our returning characters more interesting stuff to do, and introduces a lot of cool new characters that apparently some people don't like. But personally, I thought they gave a lot of time to them, and I felt a closeness to them by the end. And I felt sad looking back on what I did as Ellie killing these characters, knowing who they were to Abby. I agree. I think you need to play this game. I think it's an incredible, incredible journey that you're just not going to get in, in, in any other games. Um, the story does drag a little bit in the closing, but that didn't take away from the experience for me. And I will say this is one of the few games where I'm planning to go back and play New Game Plus because I only want to just keep returning to this world and experience, experience it again. Yeah, me too. Um, even if you don't love the story of this game, I feel like the gameplay alone is just, I mean, it's just superb. It's so fun. So yeah, this is easily the longest episode we've done, but I had a blast doing it. Yeah, I mean, we had 30 hours of content to talk about. There's no way we were doing that in an hour. There you go. We had to get everything in there. Whenever we first started talking about like Seattle Day 1 and I saw the time, I was like, I gotta I gotta speed this up a bit. If you made it this far into the episode, I mean, at this point, you gotta rate our show and subscribe. I mean, come on. Yeah, throw us a like and subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes. We'd certainly appreciate it. Follow us over on our social medias. Where can they find us on social media, Austin? Yeah, the social is at the Arnie's and the website is thearnies.media.
We haven't really told anybody why we're called the Arnies, by the way. And I guess we're going to have to leave that a bit ambiguous, like both the endings of Last of Us and Last of Us 2. Maybe we'll talk about it someday, but not yet. I agree. Maybe if you watch enough of our episodes, you'll be able to piece together why we're called the Arnies. Yeah. So Austin, why don't you uh, fill everybody in on what, what's some upcoming episodes we have that people can look forward to? Well, uh, coming out next week, we're jumping into a new series on Star Wars. Um, that's going to be a bi-weekly series. We recorded that Star Wars episode last night. I have not laughed that hard. I don't know the last time I laughed that hard. We had a blast recording, so hopefully you guys will too. Yeah, that's a fun series. It kicks off with A New Hope. Um, so if you don't want to watch that movie, I don't blame you, but at least go listen to that episode. <laughs> Spoiler on Austin's thoughts on uh, rewatching A New Hope. Come follow us on social media. We're doing episode clips, posting some fun stuff you guys might like, and then also, like you said, you know, subscribe to us. So you don't miss any episodes on your podcast service. Throw us a rating. We really appreciate it. And I guess we'll see you next time, next week.